0: Avast, ye, and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I don't clean things.
1: Uh, I'm Jesse Blount, and don't debase yourself for a man who hasn't a single tureen on board. <laughs> <You're here. laughs> Alright, so we start off this episode here, episode five. Uh, the best revenge is dressing well. And we have the revenge crew on a pirating field trip with Ed and his leather dads to learn how to quote unquote, real pirates work. Steve is enthusiastic about learning the more nitty gritty pirating details and correcting his Muppet pirate ways. This is also a good time to teach Ed a few things like rich bitch table settings, though one of the French dudes is totally ruined the moment by being a classist, racist piece of shit. We get a little flashback of Ed and his mother excited and sad about a piece of red silk and his sadness about not being able to have such luxuries. But, Frenchie has found an, an invitation on the front ship to a fancy party, and Ed is excited to try out his new lessons in fanciness. Meanwhile, our favorite rabbit Chihuahua, Izzy, walks in on Pete and Lucius fooling around the pantry <laughs> and is very homophobic about it. On the party boat, Ed, Steed, Frenchie, and Oluwande are all dressed up and con their way into this party. Steed, as the OG invitee, Ed as Jeff the accountant, uh, Olawande as a Egyptian prince, and Frenchie as his viceroy. What the fuck is a viceroy? Whatever the fuck he wants to be, babe. Anyway, this party is like Versailles before the revolution, all tall wigs, ostentatious accessories, powdered faces, and I'm sure a shit ton of tuberculosis. Ed is ready to tackle this party like any raid, but it's about getting people to like you, which is much harder than stabbing them. And everyone wants Steve to palpitate them, not a euphemism, which is difficult for Ed. Some French guy is passive-aggressively racist to Frenchie and him and Olawande decide to scam him. Back at the party boat parlor, Ed is fucking bored of Steed bluffing his way through phrenology and says a darkly witty comment that these folks eat up. The winds have changed in Ed's favor. On the revenge, Izzy has Lucius clean barnacles and shit off the hull, which hello is not his job. Thankfully, Frank is supposed to keep watch and Lucius convinces him that this time is better spent with Fang as Lucius's muse. On the party boat, Ed is telling a, an honestly grim antidote to the amusement of everyone but Steed, who knows how fickle rich people are. While Frenchie continues to fleece these people, one of the black servants is like, I see what you're doing, and I'm here to help. Steed tries to warn Ed about the fickleness of rich people, but Ed's got these folks in the palm of his hand and, and they like Ed more, so, you know, whatever. Back in the revenge, Lucius is sketching Fang's dick and Izzy walks in to be like, what the actual fuck is happening? Um, It's dinner time in the party boat and it's just Ed and these rich people. Ed's forgotten which one of these ridiculous little forks is which and the rich people laugh at him. Steve has gone on to find um, Frenchie and Alawande and is not around to help Ed. So when the vibes change, Ed turns to anger, but, it doesn't work quite as well because he's not Blackbeard, he's just Jeff. He can't just rely on his reputation. Ed storms off and finds Steed and Frenchie outside, and Steed manages to tuck him down from just shooting everyone to go take care of all these assholes who made his boyfriend sad. Uh, on the revenge, Izzy is still trying to punish Lucius for, I don't know, being too femme and like Polly, But Izzy can't because literally everyone knows and literally no one cares. And the only one who feels any shame about it is first mate Hans himself. So Lucius wins his battle like 0 to 100. On the party boat, Steve comes back to eviscerate every damn person with the dirt he got from the servants in what has to be the most aggressive, passive-aggressive game ever. This genteel party dissolves into a riot of crying aristocrats who burned down their own fucking ship. Thankfully, the black people escape with the help of all the money a and Frenchie conned out of the French beforehand. So the evening... You know, it's now nighttime, Ed is on deck of the revenge, still feeling that sting of not being enough and fiddling with this bit of silk that his mother acquired for him when Steve comes up to reassure Ed and very gently takes that little bit of silk and tucks it into the pocket of Ed's waistcoat to reassure him that he does in fact wear fine things well. We do not end with them kissing, unfortunately. We end with King George's court where some naval men are showing the king Frenchie's blood-soaked flag, and, surprise, one of them is Nigel Badminton's twin brother, who is an admiral of the Navy, and who now has the full force of the English Navy to pursue their revenge. Yep. <laughs> These just keep getting longer and longer for a half-an-hour show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um all right if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes and if you don't know this we are an entirely listener supported podcast and this is both my and jesse's full-time job so if you want to support us we're on patreon doing fun pirate stuff at patreon.com slash we also have super cute our flag means death merch in our shop on at hashtag ruthless.com and we're on social media at the gaily on instagram and twitter this is a fully spoiled podcast, and with that, we will enter our first segment, Talk It Through, as a crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else.
1: I like how Lucius is not having a good time at this work training.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he is having the worst time. <laughs> I fucking love it when Steve's like, note the gusto, and he's so stoked, and Lucius is just like, fuck off like why are you so excited this is disgusting
1: yeah lucius does not want to see how many people uh ivan can eviscerate using his axe so it's not him
0: um yeah speaking of things that make me feel sad for lucius but also for myself the sound effect that they felt (laughs) the need to include of the gold tooth being removed from a mouth is like no thank you yeah
1: yeah it was definitely a bit much. Also, it was very funny.
0: It is very funny, but I was watching with headphones on this the first time I watched it today. And so it was, like, very... <laughs> no! I did not like Oh, it. no. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> <sighs> um, so I... I've been thinking about this since we recorded the first episode, in which I... Said that Lucius being the only literate person on this crew, and I feel like every episode that goes past, I'm like, I think everyone else is just lying to Steed about how literate or illiterate they are because Frenchie totally clocks that this invitation, that this is a party invitation, like a fancy party invitation, and it does make me wonder if maybe he was just drawing like little stick figures in Lucius's journal because he just does not want to do that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there, I mean, there's definitely also a possibility that like. He is, like, still functionally illiterate. But I think it makes me makes me personally laugh more to think that he, like, can read more than he's ever going to tell or alert Steed to. <laughs>
0: yeah, I w- that makes me realize he says when Steed is like, basically, why are these drawings? He's like, I'm not the strongest reader or writer. So I think it's probably fair to guess that he can read a bit. Yeah. But not enough to, like, borrow Steed's books. Yeah. You know? That are probably in a typeface that like I would struggle to read Yeah. Or at this like point. maybe,
1: you know, maybe he just has dyslexia, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So anyway, it just it just amuses me.
0: Um, I wanted to talk about the the juxtaposition of Steed attempting to um frighten this merchant uh into giving away the location of the goods versus uh ed's (laughs) demonstration of doing it with quote-unquote oomph which is the best the best word i don't know Steve's performance and i oh god i really want to know if that's if that's ad-libbed if that was an improv scene because it kind of feels like it like quite unfortunate for the both of
1: us it's (laughs) just it's just, it's so funny because it's like, Steve, this isn't, this isn't a monologue in a like black box theater, <laughs> like, you're, 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 which is basically what he's trying to do. And it's like, no wonder this dude was just like, um, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, there's nothing intimidating about what he's doing, despite the fact that there's a weapon in his hand.
1: I know. The fact that he has a knife though, this time, it's like, all right, so you're learning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I do want to say, speaking of im of improv improvising lines, apparently, uh, Izzy's "Hall Ooh Daddy" bit was improvised, and
0: was originally like three times longer. Apparently,
1: I want them to release the long cuts of these episodes where they just leave in ridiculous shit like that because I would like to be made deeply uncomfortable by him doing that for <laughs> much longer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. I was reading in like a Reddit thread about that and someone basically said like I I don't know how like what the cap is on what I would give to get the extended cuts of all of these scenes and someone else responded like I would give almost anything like oh say a liver <laughs> I was like, god damn it! <laughs> oh my god I I love that this fandom has existed for, like, the shortest period of time, and yet is maybe, like, the best fandom I have ever encountered on the internet.
1: I know. It's always, I actually was thinking about this today. It's, like, I was to a little bit, like, early Tumblr, almost. Like, before everything just got really bad and just, like, a cesspool of terribleness. But it's just, like, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I think unfortunately the honeymoon phase will end eventually but so far it's been great i'm enjoying i'm enjoying every second of it
0: (laughs) yeah and i think it has to mostly because like i think it's so robust right now because there are only 10 episodes of content that you can draw from and so like every single joke that everyone makes can be like so on point but eventually all of the jokes will have been made and then it will like you know it'll be like well okay pause until season two comes out and then we can just pick up where we left off yeah um look maybe i should have put this in the sexy section <laughs> but, but i just you know i feel like a lot on our podcasts i i'm like it's fucked up that that's so sexy to me. And this is one of those moments where I'm like, I am so attracted to Ed sending this man to be skinned <laughs> alive <laughs> using a snail fork.
1: It's, it <laughs> is very hot. I just, I, I really, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about delivery. And also like, as we're always saying, confidence is sexy. I don't know. It's fucking hot though.
1: Yeah. And also who has it want someone who says something deeply mean to you in a way that's like touched to like your inner child to be like, if only I could just throw you off of into the ocean on a rock <laughs> after being skinned yeah. with a S cargo fork. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> yeah.
1: Um speaking of things that actually okay. Sexy, not sexy things. I don't know how to say that. Uh, anyway. Uh so I have a question for you, which is are we supposed to be under the impression that this episode is the first time that Lucius and Pete are fooling around? Because that that goodbye they have is so awkward. I'm like, is this like the first time you guys were hooking up?
0: <laughs> That's so I also find that very confusing because I would my at that moment in the episode, I'm like, almost yes, except then Lucius is like, we love an audience. So then you would think they've done it before. And then later in the episode, Pete calls him love, which you don't do if you haven't already established a relationship. So maybe it's just because they didn't get to have their, like, aftercare. Like, they didn't get to
1: Cuddle. snuggle.
0: And so they're like, yeah. okay, we're, like, parting ways, like, with a homophobic audience. So, yeah. like, kibai. Yeah,
1: it's much different than just, like, we, John, like, hanging out in the corner. Like, you know. Right. Okay. Because I was like, that can't be right. Right, okay. I'm glad that we've... <laughs> I'm glad I've solved this. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: my next note is, the name Sir Godfrey Thornrose is annoying. It says, Steed fucking Bonnet.
1: <laughs> Steed Bonnet is like a fucking thoroughbred racehorse name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The- <laughs>
0: I feel like Godfrey Thornrose to me sounds like the uh, like a pseudonym for like a lady author in the seventeenth century, you know. Yeah, I actually think it's like kind of a rat name,
1: or it's like the name of like someone's like English butler or something.
0: Sure, it could be that too.
1: Okay, so I love how every actor they have playing. The French party people is just doing whatever they think is a hammy French accent. Like a wi- like everyone is doing a wildly different hammy French accent. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it never, it's never not funny. Whenever, I know. Whenever like Antoine opens your mouth and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> oh my God.
0: Yes, and I think it's, like, most pronounced in the scene where they're all declaring that they own half a pyramid, and, like, two-thirds of them pronounce the H on half, which, like, (laughs) having read, you know, Floor's dialogue, like, in dialect in the Harry Potter books, I'm like, that's, like, the one thing that you do to indicate a French accent is to, like, do apostrophe where the H would belong, Mm -hmm. And then the last guy says, af, a pyramid, too. And you're like, it makes it really clear that everyone else was pronouncing the H. I don't know. I think it's really funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just love the, that that's the direction that it went. They're just like, we don't care which which what kind of voice you want to use. <laughs> Go for it.
0: Yeah. And I think it makes it better because everyone is just like doing it you know too much except it's like exactly as much as it should be and it like really fucking makes this episode i know it's it's... like those accents combined with the like consistent use of a fisheye lens when showing these people you're like you are nailing this Mm -hmm. um yeah speaking of the accents a, a thing that happens to me is that i get like lines from like, shows and movies that I've watched a lot stuck in my head, like, the same way as you get a song stuck in your head. Like, they'll just, like, appear. Oh, my
1: God, that happens to me all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I often, like, don't know what they're from. And so it'll just, like, be in my head and I have to, like, sort through until I figure out. I'll be like, it's in this accent with this kind of vibe. So is it, like, Giles? Like, what's happening? Um, And I get just, like, at least once every two days... It is you versus all of us. (laughs) Just, like, on repeat in my
1: head. (laughs) I definitely feel you because it's, like, very hard to get a line out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to say the actor who plays Fang does have very lovely cheekbones and is very hot.
0: You are extremely correct on both
1: counts. (laughs) um like they definitely they definitely nailed it um i just wanted to point that out because
0: yeah um okay this is actually my last thing here is that as you pointed out in your intro steed can conducts the most aggressive passive aggression at the end or like at the end of this party and I feel like the only missed opportunity in this whole episode is that when Ed asks, what the fuck did you do? Steed doesn't say massive
1: aggression. That is true. Oh, that would have been so good. Wouldn't it have been so good? (laughs) Uh, I have a few more things. Okay. There's a lot of things that I appreciate that this show does in a way of like handling racism without making it a like capital letters for twinkle, like, your quotations like huge thing and Mm -hmm. i especially love when frenchie's talking to steed and he's just like oh yeah i was in service for a minute and it's just like all you sort of need to know to sort of have a sense of like what frenchie's backstory is without it being this like whole depressive tortured like thing and i just Mm -hmm. deeply appreciate that as like someone who enjoys seeing this silly pirate show and being like we can acknowledge that frenchie probably escaped enslavement of some kind but like because he'll just have fun that he's scamming all these like ridiculous gullible like white rich people and i'm like great that's all i want
0: yeah exactly yeah i feel like any other show would have been like oh this line comes with like a horrendous flashback and it's like we actually like get the depth of that statement without you having to show us something that's like triggering for a lot of people to see and like totally takes you out of like the fun of the situation i don't know i feel like it conveys a level of trust in your audience to be like i trust that the people watching this are going to understand the like depth and gravity of that statement without us having to like make it yeah 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 i don't remember what wording you used but yeah with you
1: uh okay i have one more thing uh, which is there's at, at the end when there's like the aristocrat riot and Antoinette is like crying about you're my brother it's fucking disgusting <laughs> yeah. which I feel like is a call out to Game of Thrones which sort of infamously has like twins that are incestuous lovers and it's sort of kind of played as like this tragic love story um without so much of the like no actually that is pretty fucking gross you guys <laughs> so I don't know that's just, I'm just kind of like lol lol shots fired
0: <laughs> I appreciate that uh, I've I know notoriously never watched Game of Thrones yeah
1: any yeah there's a sh- hilarious amount of incest <laughs> that's played for romance in that show
0: that's so weird uh,
1: I know uh anyway that was my last thing <laughs>
0: Okay. Welcome to a brigade of imbeciles where we talk about character development. I have Ed first.
1: I also have I also have Ed first.
0: I really love I mean this episode is is, and we'll talk about this more later, but like it's just playing with so many like modern day jokes and tropes and stuff like that in a way that's just like the funnest fucking thing. Um, And I love that one of them is, at least to me, and I might be reading too much into it, I feel like they're being like, we want to make it really clear that Ed is gay, and we're going to do that by, like, conveying that he has this lifelong love of fashion that has been repressed. And, like, not just by, like, showing him as interested in this bit of silk as a kid, but also, you know, it's steed is going on about what this party is going to be like and it's not until he's like talking about whatever and fashion that ed is like we're fucking going excuse me what i'm gonna dress up and talk about fashion like i am all in i just really appreciate it
1: (laughs) yeah this is it's like this episode and the next one are like we get such we only get like a little bit of ed's backstory but we get enough to like really just have a really rich sense of like who he is as a character and like yeah in this episode it's like you know you have some uh besides like unresolved childhood trauma but like yeah this kind of like tender soft kid who has grown up to sort of have this persona of a much harder tougher adult and is like trying to sort of reconcile with the fact that that like tender gay inner child hasn't been totally murdered by the kraken as it were you know mm-hmm. and like he's finally he's being able to like play around with it it's kind of almost like coming out later in life Like he's like playing around with like trying to be this like fancier person here right but in a setting where it's like there is some you know in a setting that's sort of like maybe not the correct setting for just because of like how these rich people treat him like an outsider and like don't have any sort of sense of giving him any grace for like eating a prawn with a melon spoon or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. I know. Let it, let it be fancy. 1776. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's uh, the date of the declaration of independence. What? What year is the first episode? <laughs> 1717. 1717.
1: Listen, numbers are not my strong suit. So.
0: <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> also, I feel like Hamilton has like imbued that number into all of our heads pretty firmly. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I don't know. We haven't seen, we haven't seen this sort of like, sort of a vulnerable, tender side of Ed up until this point, and it's just like it's. He just—it's just really sad when these assholes make him feel bad about like not fitting it, and in like in like the minorest way. And he's just—he's just so hurt by it because like part of him is still that that tender. Like he's just—he's still just tender in here, and he like hasn't—I don't know. It's actually kind of nice that he is like still has the ability to be this vulnerable, but like it just sucks that they like immediately just like stab him right there. Yeah. But at least up until that point, he does get to, like, have fun, at least, in a way that doesn't involve maiming people. <laughs> Which we, True. he says that he also loves.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also have just, like, the landing of the joke about the cannibalism <laughs> is, like, that is a perfectly structured joke that he has told. It's hard to do. Just kudos.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like... And we've seen before, Ed has all of this charisma that like people are attracted to. He wouldn't be so successful as a pirate if he didn't have like all of these people and especially a sort of detailed oriented miniature schnauzer like Izzy if he didn't have this like charisma and charm, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. I think like the entire fandom would climb through their television screens and into his lap if we could. Like that is some strong fucking charisma.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would definitely also, I don't know, throw a Molotov cocktail at the ship because how dare you hurt right? my cinnamon roll and teach? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea what he has gone through to be here?
0: Exactly. So. Yeah. Steve cannot be held accountable
1: for <laughs> I mean, really, that was the only correct response, which was Steve to be like, oh, how dare you? Yeah. I have a lot of other Ed stuff in other places, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about. No,
0: nope, that's all I have here. Do you want
1: to move on to Steed?
0: Sure. Yeah, I actually don't have Steed, weirdly.
1: um, I have a, just a couple of things in that Steed really just does not fucking want to be at this party. Like, he all but said, no, Ed, I do not want to go to this party. But Ed is so excited. He's like, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's just... So, like... Obviously, I love seeing this side of Steed where he's just like, I will do this thing I literally hate. I literally like escape to the sea to avoid because of my feelings for you. Um, and then we get possibly the, also the best Steed besides Service Top Steed, which is Conti Steed, who is like, claws out. I'm gonna, I'm going to, you know, dig up as much dirt on you. I'm going to spill all of the tea all over you. Because how yeah. dare you make Ed feel bad about himself? Yep. And I think so far, it's like the best thing he has done.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I imagine it was actually like probably quite cathartic for him because like he always was the like picked on outsider at things like this and obviously like had to protect his like social standing and whatever because family blah, 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 blah. And so getting to be like, actually, there is a side of me that would love to just, like, say fuck you to all of these people and, like, finally getting to do that. So, like, both in service of his, like, deep crush and, like, even non-crush warm feelings toward Ed, but also, like, his past wounded self. No wonder he just fucking smiles when they light the room on fire and is like... (laughs) did my job i'm out he
1: is so pleased with himself (laughs) um yeah like he like he won like he won that and it's like all right i actually literally don't care that your ship is burning down peace out you know it's just like that is cold blooded man
0: (laughs) yeah it turns out there's actually another way to win that interaction and it is burning down their boat
1: it's ruining everyone's fucking life
0: yeah. Good for him. hmm
1: Yeah. I, I just, I love that side. I just love, I love claws out, Steed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about Frenchie? Yes. So I talked in the last episode about like Aquarius Frenchie and also <laughs> like Frenchie's just extremes of like just being incredible at the things he's incredible at and like completely inept at the things that he's not incredible at here he is being incredible it is an Aquarius trait to be like very good at persuading people and like you know conversational adeptness is uh something that they're very good at and coming up with outlandish theories and schemes also that so like this is really great and uh, like Really great for my, like, Aquarius reading, but also just, this is the funnest thing. Like, I feel I'm going to say that about, like, 20 things in this episode, but this is so fucking fun. I just, I just love it. Like, he's so, so good.
1: And, like, okay, so I love a few things about this. Is that, like, up until this point, like, we know that he, that Frenchie sings really well and he plays the lute very well. We don't see him doing really the rest of the piracy part or the ship maintenance part so well, which can also just be a, like, I don't actually feel like doing this. I'm just going to pretend that I'm incompetent at it,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: Um, but here we really see, like, right, his strong suit, which is just being able to read and manipulate people, which is an excellent skill. Yeah. <laughs> um. And it's so much, I mean, literally the first time I watched this and Frenchie was like, oh, like, his riches are in a pyramid, but if you help us out. Uh, and this pyramid scheme and i'm like oh my god (laughs) like every like from, from that into the rest of the episode where he is just doing so well to like completely convince these assholes that like oh yeah you're totally gonna get rich yeah with my friend here the egyptian prince and I mean, really, Frenchie's just doing the talking for the both of them. Because, like, Oluwande is just, like, he can't talk. He's going to be, like, this isn't even real. I'm sorry. Like, don't, like, we can just go now. <laughs> so Frenchie has to do, like, all of the talking.
0: <laughs> I think it's so funny that he, like, springs this on Oluwande. They did not make this plan on their way, you know, in the rowboat. It's clear that this is the first that Oluwande has heard of it when Frenchie introduced. <laughs> i think yeah, it's, it's like s- just incredible <laughs> also so rude but like amazing
1: i mean i think it's, i think it's just incredible because i mean really the minute that siegfried just said that just like so passive aggressive racist bullshit frenchie is like oh hell no i did not become a fucking pirate for you to fucking to hear this bullshit again and just like right just off the cuff is like actually <laughs> You should give me all of your fucking money.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that uh, look so like Olawande is about to like say something and Frenchie just like gives him this like very well-delivered look of like I've got this and like again, like the adeptness with which he just like just takes the steering wheel out of that man's hands without him even realizing that he had formerly been steering. You know, it's like wow just wow
1: it's very hot honestly
0: it's so hot
1: and also i feel like i don't know if i brought this up yet but i mean no one on the no one on the revenge is heterosexual <laughs> right and obviously but i feel like between like frenchie calling alawande babe and then his like cheers my dears in the first episode <laughs> yeah. which i fucking love that <laughs> line so much i'm just like my little queer baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sassy and mean and I love it. And also awkward. <laughs> yes. Except in a situation where he's just like not like not missing a beat. Like there is none of the sort of like awkward, funny, like doofy Frenchy here. This is just like I'm all business and I know the fuck's going on. Y'all got to listen to me. And it's just like, well, damn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's putting on a performance. So. I think it, I don't know, it kind of makes me think about how, like, Nicholas Brendan has, like, a really bad stutter IRL and, like, doesn't have it when he's acting. There are ways that, like, stepping into a role can just, like, overhaul things for folks. And we see that really work for Frenchie here.
1: Yeah, another theater gay on the revenge.
0: Yeah, if only he had maybe... Stepped more into a role when he tries to throw Steets journal overboard. Would it be okay with you if we like detour or not detour, but like take this right into Oluwande conversation because it's really like,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You know, we see him really struggling to like get into character and the fact that when um Abshir comes up and is like i see what you're doing he just like throws Frenchie under the bus immediately <laughs> he chokes so hard so he's quickly. like it was his idea <laughs> you're like oh my god snitches get stitches oluande um but once he gets into the character when like the one where you know Frenchie's you know being manipulative and he's like I, we don't know what you're talking about. And he like bangs the table and he's like, don't toy with this man. You're like, yes, get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it does actually make me think that just like, yeah, like once he warms up to it, but I feel like, I feel like between like this and like what happens uh, with Jackie, I'm just like, you're just, you're just like too good. You're just like, I I wasn't lying. I was ca- caught in this lie. Nope, giving it all up. And it's just like very- I don't know. His, like, sort of nervousness about that is very endearing. And I don't know. I feel like I have been also thinking about our first recording and that I really got to give also, like, Alawande props as being, like, the most even-keel, like, tender-hearted of all of Steed's crew. Like, I think even, not in the same way, but almost kind of more than Steed. Because, like, we don't really ever see Olawande fighting or being, like, sort of, like hilariously bloodthirsty like even we see with Frenchie. Like he is just a very competent teddy bear of a man. And I love that because again it's racism in Hollywood sometimes I mean that doesn't happen. And it's just like he's just such a great character. Like he gives the escaping black servants like all of their loot. You know? And I'm like that was so nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was so kind. And I'm just like, you're just, you're too pure for this world, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that he is the, I mean, who knows? We don't know yet what he was doing before this, besides that he worked for Spanish Jackie. Um, But I think genuinely he's a pirate because Jim needs to be a pirate. Yeah. And for no other reason, like it's all this like loyalty to this person that, he loves and like investment in their safety and Mm. what more like pure and tender a motive to like do anything you know
1: i know i have to say also that i mean one of my favorite tropes is like the grumpy one is soft for the like really like kind soft-hearted one and i i mean is just another reason to sort of love like right it's like jim is so tough in a way that's like a kind of a necessity for like how they have grown up and like living their life but they're just still so soft when we get to it for alawande who is like such a like a generous kind person is just like oh my god i love it yeah they're soft for each other yeah anyway cannot wait to get to the episode also for me to just scream cry my way i have the perfect shirt for that one for everyone who's not watching us on (laughs) youtube You have to check it out. It is super cute.
0: I need to start posting screenshots from all of our recordings, even though I don't I only own shirts that are podcast merch at this point. <laughs> but my makeup looks incredible and different from episode to episode. It does. So.
1: It does. Yeah.
0: Um who do you have next?
1: Uh so I have Lucius and Izzy. But I guess I don't know where you want to talk about Izzy's sort of shame slash internalized homophobia. if you want to talk about some of it here or in another section.
0: I have all of it in uh, The Art of Fuckery, but if you want to talk about some of it here, we can. Uh,
1: Maybe I'll just bring up a couple of points. Okay. Which is, so we see that Steve and Ed have left Izzy in charge of the revenge, and we get a little bit of taste about how his leadership, his leadership style, uh, which is garbage. He is... He has no charisma or charm. He is deeply mean. And like it's like almost that he's like he's had his taste of power and it has made him worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh and then we get a little bit of insight from like Fang, where he's just like, oh, Izzy. Like where he's like genuinely afraid of Blackbeard, of course, but it's just like, oh no, we mean Izzy. And he's like, psh that dude yeah <laughs> izzy the spewer and it's like yeah. wow you get no respect even in your like tough pirate crew for being a, for being such an asshole yeah like it's like the only person's fault that you're not respected or like is yourself izzy
0: right
1: like izzy you've created your own problems <laughs> for being just such a tightly wound repressed <laughs> yep <laughs> little I don't know. I'm running out a small dog so think to compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> that, like angry, repressed wiener dog of a person.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So Lucius.
1: Lucius is the best in this episode.
0: This is Lucius's like moment it's to just, shine.
1: Like, chef's kiss. Like yeah. Like you know, our body positive, sex positive queen right here.
0: Yep. Yeah. This is also, I think, maybe the root of my Lucius is a Gemini uh, theory, <laughs> which I made a whole meme about for Gemini season. People can, maybe I'll post it in our Instagram stories when this comes out. Because he really has like big Gemini energy, which I love. We just see so many sides of him here. That's really nice.
1: Yeah. And I think what's also just really nice is that like, wow, I feel this is also a theme about being very, about where being personable And charming can get you, you know, where it's like, it takes 2.5 seconds for Lucius to charm Fang by just like saying a truthful, kind thing to him, which is that he's fucking hot,
0: which is true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's just like very refreshing, you know, it's nice to see like a femme gay man just be able to be like, I'm just doing my thing. And literally was like, that's great. Cool. Yeah. We love Lucius. He's the best. Like yeah Who, why would you want to bully
0: him yeah <laughs> he,
1: he has so many skills and is incredible yeah so i don't know but yeah this is just a, like a great little bit of a like not just a a, a pretty face and steed's personal secretary
0: <laughs> right yeah there are a lot of ways that i identify with lucius but i feel like the biggest one is the sort of overall like unwillingness to like deal with gross things or like unpleasant things i'm like very much on the same team um obviously i clean some things but like mostly like if it's gross i'm not fucking doing it and so i just really <laughs> that moment where he's like this is deranged i don't clean things i was like yeah same <laughs> i'm with you and yeah his reaction to the the battle i already said is very much i feel like how i would be reacting and i love it
1: yeah and it's like he doesn't even give lucius anything to like if it's like here's this metal thing to or to scrape off the barnacles that would suck but he's like use your hands what
0: yeah he's supposed to what like peel it off with his fingernails that's ridiculous
1: not only is it going to ruin his nails it's also deeply ineffectual izzy if that's that's the vibe you're trying to do because i'm sure it needs to be done but like
0: it does it's in our history book
1: (laughs) gonna take him 20 years to fucking like what the fuck yeah um yeah yeah, i love lucius as being like i'm actually not gonna do this fuck you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like if if fang had refused to haul him up he just would have like sat on that little bench just like daydreaming until someone did agree
1: yeah i feel like pete or like Wee john or roach would have rolled up eventually and been like what are you doing down here let's, yeah. let's get you back up you know exactly like, um, they would have been like is he said okay yeah, yeah. <sighs> especially
0: like Wee john like the idea of anyone you know like if pete came along and was like oh i don't feel like i can confront fang he could just go get Wee john who's like i am in fact a foot taller than you so Please get out of my way while I haul my friend up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we John call him a little fucker. Fuck- uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing. It's so good. <sighs> All right.
0: Yes. Um, I have Fang a little bit before yeah, we yeah. move on. I just wrote he's so cute. I can't stand it. Like his line delivery of basically everything he says. Like when lucius asks if anyone's ever told him he has stunning cheekbones he's like once or twice i guess (laughs) a i love that at least two people have previously told fang that he has stunning cheekbones but like yeah and then when lucius asks if he's ever been sketched his like like full face giggle that he does i just like i just love him so much (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm like, more people need to be telling uh, Fang that he's, like, fucking hot, like, more often, you know? I,
0: honestly, the confidence that he has, I know that he's like, oh, you're just being nice. I kind of feel like he's being coy because when when Weijan spe- specifies that it's Izzy who's coming, he's like, let him look. And that mm-hmm. is a, I am aware of the fact that I am a fucking babe <laughs> way of, like, talking and moving his body, like yeah there is deep confidence there
1: yeah yeah Prop, props to this actor i should go look him up he's he just such a, such an excellent job of yeah yeah speaking of teddy bears yes <laughs> <Ugh.
0: sighs> is he wearing his fang when he's getting sketched naked
1: oh i don't remember
0: i feel like he's not but i feel like he should be you know
1: he's got some cool tattoos going on that like so yeah He's still wearing his like <laughs> studded like a headband. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> um, my other favorite thing that he does is like when Wee John is like the boss is looking for you, and he's like Blackbeard's back. Oh shit! He's clearly like a little freaked out, but he stays in his pose. Like his dedication to not fucking up Lucius's drawing is bigger than his concern that Blackbeard might come in and be upset with him. And I really like that.
1: He's committed to this. It's great. These characters, I just keep smiling. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. It's definitely one of those My Face Hurts episodes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric? Where we talk about aesthetics.
1: Um, well, I have surprisingly little for this episode full of excellent outfits. Same. Um, I want to point out, and I said this, I think, earlier, but... Ivan has a full-on axe when they're raiding this French merchant ship, and it's deeply hot, and it's just great. I just, yeah, give him give him an axe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's charming to me, but it just, it looks really good. It's like he's in, I don't know, it's like he's both this pirate character, but also, like, in a very goth fantasy. <laughs> fantasy thing.
0: I do feel like that's Ivan's overall vibe, is, like, goth pirate. Mm-hmm in a way that yeah i mean we've already established is really working for both of us so Mm -hmm. um frenchy looks so hot in that outfit
1: that little black suit is incredible and he wears it very well
0: (laughs) yeah he should never take it off i loved his previous outfit but like he walks in in that and you're like hello indeed okay
1: Yes, I will, in fact, give you my entire life savings.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please take everything valuable I have on me. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. <sighs> I love when he's just like, look what I looted, Captain. Isn't it great? Yeah. <laughs> he knows Steve is going to really appreciate it. I'm just like, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I call Ed's outfit in my no- notes, his purple rain outfit. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Is that why you're wearing your print shirt? <laughs> it is why I'm wearing my print shirt.
1: <laughs> um, it is just, it's so awesome. It's like clearly not from Steed's closet. I think maybe it was also in that friendship. Cause it's, Cause it's like. not Steed's palette. It's not Steed's palette. And it like, I think the like chunky gold embroidery on the edges is like, I feel like Steed likes a, like a subtler edge than a like chunky purple. I mean, he looks, but I mean, obviously, Ed looks great in it, and also he has little bows in his beard and like a little like flower thing around his bun, and it's just like it's so. It's just I, I like don't even know what to say. It's so good.
0: I know. Um, I will get more into the fact that I broke the history rule later. Um, but in breaking the history rule, I learned that the quote unquote IRL black beard did put tiny colorful bows in his beard as a way of like looking more ferocious which is like were you doing like gender fuckery to like throw your enemies off because that's incredible
1: I mean I feel like if you're on a ship and all of a sudden someone's doing scare drag and then also has a gun I feel like <laughs> Um, maybe Blackbeard in real life was gay. Who knows?
0: I mean, there's a lot of speculation about, like, Blackbeard and Steve Bonnet and what their relationship was and why they, like, marauded together for the time that they did.
1: I guess that makes sense.
0: Also, according to our history book, it was, like, very normal for pirates to, after conducting a raid, all dress up in the women's clothing and, like, have their post-raid party in full drag. So
1: piracy is just gays getting away from society
0: i mean what better way (laughs) we're all like oh start a commune why are we not like oh go to sea i feel like
1: (laughs) you know honestly at this point (laughs) exactly (laughs) take to the sea sounds like really good advice (laughs) right about now um yeah i mean those giant like uh plastic junk Islands that are now forming in the ocean apparently are also forming little micro ecosystems. So like let's just move out there. Fuck it.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. My last thing here is that uh that one French dude's rooster hat that looks like someone just like stole it from Mardi Gras, which I guess it could be a Mardi Gras hat that started in France. So yes, it's really it's a it's a good hat.
1: I I noticed that too. I was immediately like <gasps> Um, i have have one more thing which is uh steed's like upholstery jacket Mm -hmm. um and i feel like i actually used to own a button-up shirt that looks sort of similar to that which i realize i no longer own and i'm very disappointed about Uh, and also his uh complimentary slash matching teal velvet breeches and he also has little flowers on his funny wig Mm -hmm. it's a good look
0: it is a good look, yeah. Welcome to Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up.
1: Uh, first off, I love this is the episode, of course, where we get shocking revelations.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: Wait, do you want to... Did you have, like, politics stuff you want to cover first? Because my thing is, like, kind of lengthy.
0: <laughs> um no i'm mostly i just want to leave this section to you i think for the most part just let me know when you want to talk about the like ed like biracial identity thing
1: oh um, that's actually yeah i'm going to start i'm actually going to start off with that so okay
0: so um we i'm going to give like a little preamble to what we're going to talk about in this section because jesse and i have like tried to have this conversation the last two episodes and like I have been basically just like in a 404 error <laughs> while we've been trying to have these conversations. So in preparation for having the conversation this time, I like read the Tumblr post that you're going to be referencing that we'll put in the show notes. And I also broke the history rule to go back over every, like, all of the pre-existing knowledge that I had about, like, the real Blackbeard that I think was contributing to the, like, sort of confusion that I was experiencing. Um, So the conversation is going to be about, like, the way that Ed's biracial identity, like, shows up in the show. And what I want to say beforehand is that A lot of the specifics that the Tumblr post essay references as being, like, something the show is doing to, like, represent that is actually stuff that is just pulled straight from the real Blackbeard lore and is, like, almost certainly not something that the show, like, wrote to be that way, though they might have, like, manipulated it to, like, include that in some ways. So... Which is where I was sort of, like, glitching out where I was, like, but, like, that that wasn't something the showrunners were doing. That's just, like, the lore of Blackbeard. Mm -hmm. I don't – what I want to say now is, like, I don't actually think that matters. And, like, what we do in our media analysis is, like, not care about what authorial intent was and be, like, but I see this in the thing. And so it's – we're going to talk about it that way. Like we read Hagrid as trans, right? So I want to invite anyone else who also was a pirate kid or is now a pirate adult. Who's like way I've like read and like consumed all of this Blackbeard information. And like, that doesn't make sense. Like just to release that. But also I would like it if possible, when we have this conversation, if we could avoid, like, if we can talk about it in terms of like what fans are seeing and like how like how that can be interpreted as opposed to like this is a thing the showrunners are doing when it's like probably not Mm
1: -hmm. like i
0: want to make sure that the credit for that interpretation is actually rooted in fandom as opposed to like being given to the creators when they were mostly just like pulling from the blackbeard wikipedia article yeah so that makes sense
1: yes um there is actually one thing though that i want to say that the show is explicitly doing though Mm -hmm. Which is um to it, which is having Ed's identity reflect Taika Waititi's IRL identity. Yeah, which for folks that don't know, um, Taika Waititi is um, Jewish and Maui. and we see and like it isn't brought up, but the actress who plays uh, Ed's mom in this flashback is also Maori. So we are getting uh a black beard who is also a reflection of the actor who's playing it like racial identity. And so uh, uh, using that to go forward, it's like my, my analysis is of someone who's biracial watching someone else's biracial experience, like in the way that like, you know, this biracial actor and biracial character is experiencing um, a lot of the microaggressions and sort of tensions Specifically in this episode, but this kind of shows up, I think, in other episodes also. This one, I think, is just really more explicit about... It feels more explicit about it um, because it is a little bit about... It's a lot about Ed teaches sort of class background in which he grew up poor and unable to afford fancy gay things. And is now this adult pirate who still feels sort of inadequate about his class background but he is also still a biracial pirate who is still sort of uh who is welcome into white spaces in a way that Frenchie our other biracial pirate is not because he has Frenchie has already been clocked as a black person and thus is in a different sort of category from Ed where it's sort of like what could you be question mark which is a lot of things that buyers people will get ass where it's just like oh you don't look so and so and so and so and it's like
0: yeah so can i i want to clarify i am when i say like the the show like isn't doing that i'm specifically referencing like the way that the like monstrous blackbeard lore is being referred to as being something that's like you know racially coded like in that that essay where they're like yeah like this picture of blackbeard with like the nine guns and whatever is like supposed to be this like reference to like the monstrous person of color like that is basically exactly the engraving of blackbeard that was in the hit like pirate book that was released in like 1780 whatever so it's just the the stuff that's about like who who is like Blackbeard's pirate persona and how is that racially coded? That I think was not an intentional like conversation of race on the part of the showrunners, but all of the stuff in this episode where like Ed is navigating the party and stuff like that, I am happy to say like that could be something and it probably is something that the showrunners were intentionally doing. Yeah, but I want to sit like I don't think it's wrong to read the like you know this picture of him and, like, having nine guns and whatever has racial connotations, like, I think that's a really interesting conversation that we should have, but I think we should be, like, and this is what fans see here, as opposed to, like, the show did this on purpose.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I guess, for me, like, I feel like I'm reading it where it's, like, I am seeing this extra layer because we have Blackbeard played by a uh, biracial. Exactly. Yeah. If they had cast Ed as, like, a white dude, you know, you wouldn't, we, there wouldn't be this extra layer of interpretation that we're getting like having him being played by someone who is not white exactly and so we have in this episode uh ed is definitely he definitely feels a kind of way about his about his background i think and it definitely feels more racialized in other episodes like we like we start off with one of the like captured french like maybe the captain of the ship who tells like Ed something about something something like "your kind," and Ed is immediately like, "The fuck did you say to me?" And I don't know. I feel like the like sort of well of anger that um, but you can just immediately see on Blackbeard's face is like very familiar because you're kind of like, "Oh, what do you mean by your kind'? Is it because I'm a fucking gay pirate? Is it because I'm like don't know the the fucking salad fork? Uh, is it because I'm clearly like you know not a white dude? Like what the fuck, bro?" And just like I think to. I think that sort of, like, begins to set off the tone of, I think it sets off the tone about kind of, of the tension between, like, Ed trying to fit into this, like, white high society and everyone else sort of just being, like, you know, what a joke, essentially. Right. You know, like, you're not going to become, you're not one of us, you're never going to be one of us. And it's sort of, like, no, like, Ed, you're, even though you're, like, allowed in this space, and maybe you do have a ton of wealth because you've been a- Successful pirate for all of these years, but like you're not gonna be a like powdered white like a, like rich aristocrat, you know. And it, I mean, it's it gets it gets sucks, but it's also like unsurprising because of the way that like white supremacy is like. If you're not white, we really only have like it's only a couple of sides to a per- a person who is not white can be, you know. Right. It's like either like we can we can laugh. We can laugh at you or we can feel threatened by you. Which, I mean, obviously not for all people of color. I'm speaking specifically as someone who is black. But to sort of see the vibe shift of this party between they're sort of laughing with Ed to they're laughing at Ed. And it's like, were you ever actually laughing with him in the first place? Is a kind of tension that being a bi- being biracial and then like all white space, it's sort of like that sort of knife edge about being like, Am I here because I'm, like, non-threatening enough as a brown person, but it's like, could, like, are the tides going to change at any moment? And it feels like, it's just, I don't know, it's not a very comfortable (laughs) place to be at. So I just feel like Ed's sort of gauntlet of reactions feels very genuine and, like, shitty, because, like, I mean, as as we see in this show, piracy is very diverse, you know? There's probably not a lot of situations that Ed is in unless he's, like, attacking a British naval fleet where there, like, aren't other people of color. Right. You know? And it's not, and that's not necessarily something that, like, Steed can prepare him for because that's not, like, Steed's a wealthy white dude. He's, like, kind of being like, oh, you can just be charming and, like, it'll be fine. And it's like, you're a great ally, Steed, but you just, <laughs> you just, you just don't know. And so it feels really bad for, like, to have Ed sort of, like, the extra layer of him learning about that, I think. uh, I think contributes to, like, his sadness and anger, not just because of, like, his sort of uh, inadequacy because of growing up super poor. Right. Yeah. And we even have a moment where, like, Antoinette goes to, like, touch his beard and he, like, flinches back. Like, like. and I mean, for folks who have never seen a meme about don't touch black people's hair... Uh, white people love to try to do that shit to be like oh oh, it's so curly and it's like no fucking don't do that shit and just that sort of response to be like I'm not a petting zoo Right. (laughs) I'm a fucking person is like I mean I think it's, it's like deeply sad but the way that it plays out in this episode is also just like it's really nice to like not have the casting of Taika Waititi as Blackbeard be like a colorblind thing Right. But to sort of acknowledge that, like, you're looking at a biracial man on screen, like, you know, trying to learn how to become an aristocrat. And it's like, not all going to be playing the harpsichord and, like, sipping champagne. Yeah. So.
0: Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. Um, Can we talk about the, like way that homophobia is dealt with on this show
1: yes we sure can
0: cool so you know we already touched on like izzy's very awkward daddy scene and sort of like all of that but uh in an attempt to not reinvent the wheel i actually want to read some passages from a really good article that i read about this whole thing
1: yes okay
0: So it was uh, on the Daily Dot. It's by Gavia Baker (gasps) Whitelaw. Oh my God, I love her. So she's basically talking about queerness and homophobia in this show. The beginning of the article, I'm just going to sum up as like, Lucius is the most obvious target for Izzy's frustrations about the crew of the Revenge. And he sort of hits his boiling over point when he catches Lucius and Pete having sex. And gives Lucius this job and assumes that Fang will be happy to, like, perpetuate the same cruelty that Izzy is. And that obviously doesn't happen. So after that, she goes on to say, like, Fang abandons his post so Lucius can draw his portrait. I've never had anyone take interest in my form before, says Fang bashfully, posing naked in the captain's quarters. Well, you've never met anyone worth a damn then, Lucius replies. And the thing is, he means it. Although Lucius manipulated the situation to get out of work, he seems to genuinely enjoy drawing Fang, a chubby middle-aged guy who isn't conventionally TV hot. Our Flag Means Death is a rarity in American comedy in that it portrays fat characters as desirable, unremarkable, and genuine, generally free from fatphobic taunts. And then later in the article, she's talking about just like everyone's chillness with like fang being naked and like the genuineness of Wee john being like you've really captured something with your drawing and like how incredible that fucking dick joke is and so it says izzy just isn't on the same wavelength as everyone else you've been a proper little seductress haven't you he sneers at lucius hoping to cause friction by revealing that he drew fang in the nude but lucius's soon-to-be boyfriend black pete doesn't care he's drawn most of us he remarks See, says Lucius, we don't own each other. Izzy, painfully repressed, is the only person who has a problem here. In a show where most of the main characters are either queer or comfortable with queerness, Izzy is the lone homophobe, and the main person who suffers under that homophobia is himself. So that is not the end of the article, but I think the end of the primary point of this episode. And I think that, like, really effectively sums up what's so great about the way that this show acknowledges and then is, like, done with homophobia in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, it keeps showing up in Izzy, but it's so firmly established, like, this is how we feel like and are planning to treat the idea of homophobia, that in all future episodes, you, like, don't worry about it when it shows up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it just feels very refreshing to be, like, We're literally pirates, dude. Like, (sighs) do you? Why would why would we be angry? Like, (laughs) yeah. Like, just like everyone's just like, I don't understand what your damage is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, which I feel like you like hardly ever like see in like gay narratives, and it just feels so good to just to be like, the only one who's ashamed is you, Izzy. The only one who like is deeply feeling shame about anything is you my dude
0: yeah and i think this episode really ends with him being like wait like i'm embarrassed like how did this happen i don't understand and it's really just super great
1: yeah i know and it's like the line like you know we don't own each other or whatever the line is is just like it's so beautiful i like there's like a lot of just like really beautiful lines in this episode especially like when we're back on like you know, in the scenes during the revenge. But just to to be like... (laughs) I know, and (laughs) and it
0: really is, like, one of those things where I genuinely feel so baffled by the idea that someone would be upset about their artist partner who draws, like, does figure drawing doing figure drawing. Like, who would get upset about that? What a weird thing to do. So...
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, unless like Pete's response is just like like I'm like he could have high five Lucius at that moment, he would have <laughs> been like, you know. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, Izzy Izzy is not a patron of the arts. Um, even though he Ed is his own leather daddy performance artist.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> just like where is this shame coming from, dude? Because it's not coming from Ed.
0: (laughs) Right. Or, you know, Fang or presumably Ivan. I mean, as soon as they have the opportunity, we really see them be like, yeah, I fucking love this crew. Like, this is exactly how I want to behave. And they're like, so ready to mutiny against Izzy. (laughs) When they're like, are you sure about this? They're like, yes. Yes. We are so sure we do not want him here so it really is quite baffling like where is he is coming from but it sucks for him you know
1: yeah he's also read a bunch of pirate media and took the wrong things to heart i guess
0: mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's <sounds> right
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> okay what's next
1: uh sort of along this line uh so this is the episode we that we begin to see our hot leather daddy pirate gritty pirate world combined with our, like, Muppet crew world combined, and uh, it's really excellent because we see the winner is the, like, fun, romantic Muppet crew life, and not the, like, gritty, real pirates, like, bullshit.
0: Right. Yeah, I feel like in this, like, after this successful raid, Ivan and Fang are like, ooh, I can have both, you know? Yeah. And that's the best feeling is not having to choose between two things that you enjoy.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that like, I mean, one of the like key things about this show is sort of wholeheartedly embracing your authentic self as opposed to keeping it compartmentalized for whatever reason. Right. You know? And yeah, it's, I mean, I I feel great for Ivan and Fang being able to like be more of their authentic selves, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, so one of obviously the best things about this episode is the just like full on references to 2022 things (laughs) most importantly the accountant thing is like the first the first time i watched this i like had to pause it because i was laughing so hard (laughs) (laughs) just um and i guess i know that we have a lot of listeners who aren't on tiktok and so it's possible that they don't know the like accountant as like code word for sex worker thing and like the amazing song that goes with it which maybe i'll like put into the show here um but like having it be so that like accountant is like his cover-up for being a pirate and like (laughs) The, the the heart the just like intensity with which they lean into it where he's like just wait until i tell you about my life as an accountant <laughs> and then <laughs> what's her face being like if you ever want to change careers you can finger my dents anytime like they are committed to this bit i cannot describe the joy that it brings me <laughs>
1: Uh, I almost used the finger my dense line for my lead in today. <laughs> it was like a I was like even before I said it, like oh, which one is more funny? Um, yeah, I know it's it's so funny, <laughs> especially because everyone's like, this is what you came up with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and then we also have obviously pyramid schemes and the Nigerian prince scam, also referenced here it
1: it makes me that makes me laugh like the, the way the fact that frenchie says literal pyramid scheme it's just like i cannot right now i have some fun thing about actually about that scam once we get to the crystals attract demons so about
0: the nigerian prince one mm-hmm. okay that's great i'm excited and i guess that one's not as like 2022 that's been with us for like over a decade now and yet it's still working so
1: especially at the end where they're like we have to refine the con we'll have to go for like nigerian princess just
0: like desperate need of assistance (laughs) it's like literally the subject line of that email
1: (laughs) oh geez (sighs) this episode is so good um i think what i also love about this episode is i think there's a moment like, halfway through, when I'm just like, this feels like Steed, maybe at the end, this is a Stark Revelations bit, and it's like, it feels like Steed is trolling, like, really douchey, pretentious, like, popular high school kids for, like, making fun of his, like, cool, but insecure, like, like, you know, biker friend. Mm-hmm. And, like, because they, they sound and act just like a television version of a spoiled high schooler
0: yeah totally
1: which just it also just makes me laugh (laughs) yeah
0: which also is really funny because from what i know about like this era french nobility which is like weirdly a lot because of being really into fairy tales and like the history of a lot of fairy tales is that they were secretly like making fun of like french nobility um high school like shitty high schoolers that's basically the right way to describe these like grown-ass adults who that was like their whole job was just like being shitty and gossiping so this is like very accurate (laughs) to that too which is like so terrible to think about as like a subset of society past you know sort of a contained four year
1: period yeah yeah which is just another reason why it feels so good when steve just puts everyone in their fucking place
0: yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's really the the only other thing that I have here is just like deliciousness of the way that these people are, are um, depicted. I think I already mentioned like the use of like a fisheye lens that's, that's here a lot and just, yeah, the, the like overacting and all of the silly things that they're saying and how easily they are just like swept up into <laughs> the pyramid scheme <laughs> it's great it's just so so fun uh i
1: feel like i feel like we'd be remiss i would be remiss if we if i did not talk about sort of ed little piece of red silk which also feels very metaphorical sort of like you know like it is sort of metaphorically like his heart and like the softness that he's been like hiding and carrying like all of these years yeah you know like it's just like very sweet and heartbreaking that he's like he's like held on to this thing for like twenty years, thirty years, like twenty plus years. And that like, you know, this like just like this level of vulnerability when he's like he's like handing Steed his heart and Steed is like, Oh, it's fine, it's great. It's just it still it still fits this you, you know. It still looks great on you. Yeah. You know, which makes it even more heartbreaking when we get broken up, depressed, crack and ed, like releasing it into the ocean, you know. Which probably will come back because this is a, a ridiculous rom-com, but like at, yeah. at the moment you're just like, no, don't let go of your, the softness in your heart just because Steve left you. And it's just like, oh no. I know.
0: No, he yeah. had to so that Steve can bring it back to him.
1: Which I better have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then of course you get the whole reveal about adding the like black beard skeleton flag stabbing a heart. Which is just, like, such an excellent use of the historic Blackbeard flag. Like I know. House, like, house spot on. I know. Ugh.
0: It's really good.
1: hmm
0: Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff.
1: We get a lot of sexy stuff in this episode. I love Lucius and his shame-free, sexy, sexy life, you know? I want. I want to point out that the notebook we see him sketching in is like, I guess, his own private sketchbook of dicks. Um, I can only assume it's full of dicks, but it probably is full of dicks. And I love that yeah. for him. Yeah. Like, um, and like, I don't know. What's it's just, it's so great and also just like so like sexy to be like, let me just sketch everyone's dicks. Yeah. You know.
0: Yep. Um, you know, there is so much sexy stuff in this episode and really the only thing that i wrote down is this moment at the end the like you wear fine things well like almost kiss and under the light of a full moon
1: <sighs> it's so romantic i'm like why didn't you kiss right here and it's just like just like that instead like...
0: they do this like little like bro tap kind
1: of thing and you're like no <laughs> i know i know it's very silly yeah. Uh, so my other, my only other thing is that uh, this is essentially their second date. Like, Steve doesn't want to go to this party. He's only going to this party because Ed really wants to go. And like, like Steed's obviously, I feel like feeling a little bit sad. It's probably bring up a lot of memories about all the other fancy parties he's been at where he's just been like shunned, you know. But he's like keeping it together, and he really only kind of he only he only like we like he, we only see him get mad about it when. Ed comes back and is like visibly upset about what is going on. When he's just like, "Oh, this needs this needs to end." And like the way that he like like Ed is like raw. Ed has pulled his pistol out and is like has the thing to like jam in the powder and the bullet. And Ed is and Steve like says like is like very brief and like gets Ed to like stand down. Right, which is like very sexy and also very cute. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you guys keep having these cute dates
0: yeah i just realized what i said that it was under the light of a full moon that um either this is like the day after they went to the with the spanish ship because that was a full moon or it's been a month but we know it hasn't been a month because very soon izzy's gonna say that they've been there for a fortnight which is two weeks um And that's, this is another thing that like just makes me really appreciate the show be like, what's more important, accurate timing of the moon phases or the beauty of having this moment be beneath a full moon? Obviously the latter. Yeah. And that makes me happy.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a blue moon. Yeah. (laughs) That's not
0: what that means, but yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, The revenge is a TARDIS. Who cares?
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (sighs) Welcome to The Crystals Attract Demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff.
1: Uh, I just want to briefly mention phrenology, which is what whatever Thorn Rose is supposed to be his specialty is, which does involve examining the shapes of people's Um, this is obviously a pseudoscience, uh, but mainly it's pretty well known for being a justification for white supremacy and for white Europeans to be like, oh, we're more evolved than anyone else. And as in the justification for like colonialism and genocide and chattel slavery. So if you want to know more about that, you should look it up because Google is free. (laughs) Yep. But just wanted to point that out for everyone who maybe wasn't aware about what is going on here.
0: Yep. Um, The only thing I have here is that I learned today that calling someone a donkey or an ass as an insult is, like, super widespread across, like, cultures and languages and, like, dates back thousands of years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I want to know where that came from, you know? And apparently it's, like, probably because they're, like, super stubborn and, like, not as smart as horses, which is, like, your go-to comparison obviously because mm-hmm. they're also
1: work animals. work an-
0: yeah that have you know similar bone structures and whatever but yeah like across the world people have variations of calling people donkeys as an insult meaning like low intelligence that's
1: wild <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh man humans are so funny like that that's yep. just that is hilarious uh okay so uh, I, have a th- I have a couple of things. Okay. Uh, one of them is, uh, so there's a Twitter thread by user Taddy Old Thing, where they have uh, a post about the symbolism behind the flowers that show up in this show.
0: That's your whole jam. It's Jesse bait. <laughs> it
1: is. Uh, okay. And so they mention um, the flowers that we see in, Ed's hair and the flowers that we see in Steed's hair. Um, And so basically, it's so the flowers in Ed's hair is either like daisies or uh, Edelweiss. So daisies symbolize like childhood and being naive, and uh, Elderweiss symbolizes purity, innocence, love, dedication, and rugged individualism.
0: Hmm.
1: So, and we get some of the Elderweiss motif because there's that song in the first episode. Right. And it's like been used as a like sign of like bravery in the past so steeds so we'll be having steeds hair seem to be like a um, according to this thread uh metallic sculptured pansies and like pansies are kind of a violet so which sympathize which symbolizes you know being effeminate or weak but uh however pansies have a strong sturdy roots and the french word i'm not gonna try to pronounce it i do not speak french means to think and to reflect Hmm. and then of course there's a whole thing about pansies being gay people which duh hello yeah yeah nice thank you to to user on twitter tatty old thing we will put I'll put up there'll be a link to this tweet thread in our show notes because I will bring it up again (laughs) because there's some other things that come up later um where
0: did they get those flowers they didn't make landfall did they no cool love it it's it's the TARDIS there's Mm -hmm. a flower room yep um did you have another thing here I have
1: have two more things um My second one is a little bit of trivia. So this also another another Twitter thread that I saw is that um, the first guy that Frenchie cons, uh, Siegfried, he's in like teal and has like a peacock feather. Is in an is IRL in a relationship with the dude who plays the nice hostage from a couple episodes ago. Nice. So there's like a there's like a photo of them like together, and I'm just like that. Just very it's just very sweet. I'm like oh. I love so, that. That's so cute. And then my last thing is about the nigerian prince scam okay or it's also called a 419 scam too probably to be like a little bit less like stop blaming nigerians for the scam Uh, isn't
0: it pretty consistent that that's what the person in the email says where they say they're from
1: yeah um but i think people in nigeria are pretty pissed about being their country being associated with like scams okay (laughs) but so here's the thing so this kind of scam is like old as fuck uh And its actual first documented use was, like, after the French Revolution, where it's, like, people who are like, hey, so-and-so, I used to work for some random aristocrat, and, like, he pieced out somewhere else, but I know where his treasure is, except I came back here to get it, and now I'm in jail. But if you give me money to get out of jail, I pinky promise that we can split the gold. Amazing. And so a variation of that has been used since then, uh, essentially.
0: That's so interesting i am flabbergasted
1: <laughs> and sorry so this came from an npr interview uh apparently we know that the we, the reason that we're aware that it, this popped up after the french revolution is there is like some dude who was like a cop essentially he kept really detailed notes about the kinds of crimes that he kept seeing in france post the revolution and like the scam kept coming up
0: and has it just been like perpetuated through the ages just like nonstop. that's so interesting yeah
1: there's another example i guess for like after the spanish-american war people you know trying to be like i need money to get home to my family and then i can split it with you and like yeah so and then it has evolved sort of for the digital age as we colloquially know it as the nigerian prince scam even though i mean obviously only a few people in nigeria are doing this and it didn't originate in nigeria it's in a scam that's been there because people are scammers I don't know I, th- I find yeah. that both deeply mind-boggling because I also would have assumed that I was just like oh yeah this started like 10 years ago with like you know the cheaper availability of like having a, e- a email address and not like <laughs> it's been around for a couple of hundred years
0: yeah that is wild <sighs> I also never assumed that the people sending the emails were actually in or from Nigeria I just always assumed it was like arbitrarily chosen because it like made it sound you know exotic or whatever
1: i mean there's that too
0: i've also i think at some point it was mentioned on you're wrong about that like scams like that like email scams are intentionally like like all of the typos and like poor wording and sentence structure and stuff like that is like really really intentional because they want to weed out skeptical people Like, they don't want to spend a bunch of time, like, conning someone who's going to, like, catch on, and then they wasted all of that time. So they're just, like, intentionally looking for people who are most vulnerable and aren't likely to realize it. So they, like, make it really apparent that it's a scam to anyone who's going to catch on to the fact that it's a scam.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure also Mm -hmm. part of it is probably just playing on people in the west assumptions about nigeria because it's like yeah
0: totally not
1: having any idea about anything about nigeria and then like assuming that it's like in the dark heart of africa like of course this poor nigerian prince needs my help and an average an average american like what yeah yeah
0: Welcome to Petrified Orange, where we do a lightning round of our new favorite things. My first new favorite thing this week is the incredible joke that is Steed saying to Ed, who has just ordered a man be skinned alive with a snail fork, that Captain really got under your skin.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, how did I not realize that? Um... My 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 first thing is actually also a joke, um, which is, uh, whatever that dude's name is, being like, would you be willing to palpitate my wife? And Ed being like, oh, that was fast. I know. <laughs> <And being> like, <laughs> Ed, what kind of parties are you attending?
0: <laughs> Funner ones than this.
1: I mean, probably.
0: Uh, my second new favorite thing is the... Zoom out shot of Lucius sketching Fang to reveal that he has only drawn Fang's dick that is like lined up exactly <laughs> over Fang in the background where <laughs> his dick would be.
1: Oh my god. That's that's so good. Oh my god. It's so good. Um my last thing is just that I think it is Chauncey Badminton who is like gonna catch these cat bandits. <laughs> yep
0: it's great Mm -hmm. (sighs) okay thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the gay pirate podcast we will see you in one week uh don't forget to check the show notes for all the things that we talked about and the ways that you can hang out with us and support us and until next time
1: farewell bonnets playthings
0: hello oh that's not how i start this it's literally written down in
1: front (laughs) of my (laughs) face